0: All right, so this is going to sound like Love Fest. Um, it, how many of you are new to Clear, uh, to Clear Creek, to uh, Houston Church Planning Network? I'm just curious, You're kind of new to around here. All right, so it's not always like it's going to be today, uh, where we're just talking about ourselves the whole time. But um, it is going to be like that today because this is a day we want to focus on who we are uh, as a network, and I'm going to talk to you about our vision here in a moment. But um, no doubt. There, I, I don't know how this happens without God putting someone in the midst of this like Chad Clarkson who, um, you know, someone said to him one time, uh, I try to tell the story as much as I can, they, they said the reason this works is because you don't want to be king and because you you, you lead mostly from the back of the room, which uh, he's very comfortable doing that. And so his heart for the city, his heart for church planters, and really his heart for God and his mission Uh, are the driver behind all this, and so very, very grateful for Chad. Uh, We're we're blessed to have him here. Okay, so I get to talk to you about uh, the vision of HCPN today, and you should know that I think that vision is a statement of faith. I think that vision most oftentimes when it's expressed by a leader is really just a part of that vision. In other words, the vision of HCPN really is a resident in all of those who make up the Houston Church Planting Network. And so what I'm going to share with you is not the complete vision. The vision is more than this, but it is not less than this. We envision a multiplying movement of church-planting churches in the greater Houston area for the glory of God and for the good of the city. We envision this movement of churches-planting churches that is not characterized by necessarily large or influential churches, but a kind of movement that is less like a herd of elephants and more like an infestation of mice, a movement where we are pushing into every dark corner of the city, loving our way to have a gospel presence throughout the whole city. And our prayer is really that God would so do something in Houston that we would we would be taken by his mercy toward us. And that other cities around the United States would say, Lord, if you did it there, you can do it here. Would you do it again, Lord? And even that cities around the world would want to give glory to God for his work among us. Now, that's the vision, and that was my assignment. But I have some time left, so uh, for the rest of our time... I want to share with you why I think this can happen in our lifetime, why I I wake up every day amazed at what God does around us all the time, but really keenly aware of how He really might choose to do this among us in our lifetime. I want to show you how you can participate in that. I want to inspire you to it. I want to invite you to it. I want to include you in it. So um, there's a we in this room. So some of you are new, and I get that. Maybe you're even part of the we, but I'm going to take the first little bit of our time to talk about why there is a we in this room. Um, We share a city that we love. We're blessed to be in Houston. Uh, You'll notice on the slide here. We get to know a little bit about Houston, Uh, 6.9 million people, the second fastest growing MSA in the United States, projected 10 million people by 2040, 1.6 million foreign-born citizens in Houston, or in the greater Houston area. And uh, that's 220 language groups, 350 people groups. And so, ethnically, within the next decade, Houston will be the city in America that has this equal number of Anglos, African Americans, and Hispanics. So we're the city in America that gets to try to demonstrate what real unity among the ethnic diversity of a city looks like. Second slide I'm to show you says uh, what's going on in our city right now. It's a great season for Houston because it's number one metro for economic growth potential. It's the second best cost of living in the top 10 U.S. cities area in the country. Uh, Best seaport in North America. Number three in acreage and parkland and green space is our city. And you didn't know this, did you? It's the number one party spot. So yeah, that's probably different than what you think it is. The number one party spot uh, is measured by the number of Evites sent out from the people in any one city. So this is great news. Seriously, this is great news. That we send out more Evites than any other city in America and have for the last three years running. What I hear in that is that in our culture, we have people in our homes, which is an open door to the gospel. This is something that's a beautiful thing to celebrate. The other thing that... We need to understand is that in this city where God has placed us, this city that we love, we also are located in the United States of America, this city in the United States with a particular spiritual climate and culture. When Ed Stetzer was here a couple of years ago, he shared with us the trend line for churches in America. And I think this is such a significant piece when he he talked about 25% other religions and secular people, 25% are cultural Christians, 25% congregational Christians, 25% convictional Christians. I don't think for this group that requires a whole lot of explanation. But when you, you hear that the church is dying in America, he says, no, 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 hold that for a minute. What's actually happening is the church is being refined in America. It's being redefined in America. Because what was a group of people that were only Christians by culture or because they went to church growing up, they were congregational Christians, we're now living in a culture where people feel safe saying that no, they're not religious at all. They're nuns. They have no religion. So they've moved quickly from being nominal Christians to being nuns. And even in the area in which I live you would think, you know, in the, you know, southeast of Houston that There would be so many people that are just church-going people, and yet more than half the population would identify themselves as having no religion whatsoever, even in the area in which I live. So there's actually some good news with that, is that we are no longer entertaining and warehousing nominal Christians. We are mobilizing convictional Christians. And so, when we want to mobilize the church to multiply churches in the city, we're in a different posture to do that. We still need to plant churches. I know it's Houston, I know there are churches on every corner, more, you know, megachurches in any city in America and all that kind of stuff. But you will remember when Daniel Yang was here, if you were here, that 4,000 churches in America will close in the next year. and or about 3,700 I guess the number is, and then 4,000 churches planted, we're, we're, the net increase is 300 churches. I appreciate Josh Ellis and the work that he's done uh, to help us understand that in Houston alone we need to plant 150 churches a year just to keep up with the growing population of the city. So, this is our context. We share this context, every one of us. Doesn't matter where you come from, this is home, this is what it's like, this is what the need is. But there's something else about us that makes us a we. Here's what's true of us we've all heard the whisper of the Spirit, the commission of our Lord, that we are uh, called to Him and to his mission, and his mission is stated pretty clearly to go and make disciples of all nations. But it doesn't stop there. In the Matthew 28 passage it says there's something beyond that, baptizing them and teaching them. Baptizing them and teaching them implies that there's a church. Who's doing the baptizing? Who's doing the teaching? And this is the movement that we see all through the New Testament. Our call is to make disciples that make disciples that always leads to, implies, calls for the fact that we have churches that are multiplying churches even to the ends of the earth. And so we see this pattern in the Apostle Paul and his strategy. I'll read to you Acts chapter 14 verse 21 and following it says, they returned to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith and saying that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. And when they had appointed elders for them in every church with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. This is the pattern of the New Testament. As the gospel is spread, people are coming to faith, churches are established, elders are appointed, those churches are strengthened, those churches win people. And those new people are established as new churches and this is how the kingdom of God is spreading inherent in the call to make disciples is the call to plant churches that plant churches and so we get to be in this room today which quite frankly is very exciting to be in a room um, like this with this many people and we're here because we want to plant churches that plant churches you know, we're standing on the shoulders of so many. When I stood here to preach my first sermon, it was 1987, and shortly on the heels of that, there was a prayer movement across our city. That prayer movement, I think, is uh, part of what is bearing fruit today. When. Uh, pastors and church leaders of all different denominations and ethnicities were getting together and crying out to god to do work in our city and one of the things that god did in that whole experience is he he began to change the relationship that church leaders have with church leaders and that's why i say that i think part of what we're doing today is standing on the shoulders of some of these who've gone before us but what they were doing is calling out for unity in the body of Christ. And what we've been doing together is calling out for collaboration among the body of Christ. That we would actually work together in planting churches all across the city. We, we have an emerging identity. It's one of the most compelling things about this whole experience for me is that we have an emerging identity. As we commissioned the uh, finishing residence this last August, I shared with them what I'm about to share with you, and some of the people in the room said, please share that with all the folks at HCPN. And so I want to share it with you now. And uh, I'm asking for a little latitude to be able to, to read what I'm going to say because I want to be precise in my words. But here's our emerging identity. we. We are missionaries. We are people redeemed and sent by a missional God to advance His kingdom through the planting of healthy, gospel-centered churches. We are a community of church planters. We know and love Jesus, and we know and love our communities, and we are captivated with the beauty and the power and the centrality of the local church. We're committed to reaching people who don't have a relationship to Jesus, and we are the friends of sinners, just like our Savior. We preach a gospel that declares God has done for us what we could not do for ourselves, a gospel that reminds us that we are more sinful than we imagined and more loved than we ever thought possible. We preach the story of a sinless Savior who died a horrible death in our place on a cruel Roman cross. Who died and on the third day rose again just like he said that he would and we preach a gospel that is not shocked by sin it's not threatened by darkness or subject to hopelessness we preach a gospel of grace that we will not allow to be tainted by legalism or twisted by moralism or marginalized by religion we preach a gospel that is the power of god unto salvation A gospel that changes hearts, and homes, and marriages, and businesses, and affections, and value systems, and even cultures. And as sent people, we preach God's gospel. So we have no power of our own. We have no message of our own. We live dependent upon the Holy Spirit. And we listen for the one voice that will change our direction in an instant. We are committed to multiplying disciples to multiplying leaders, to multiplying churches and to crying out to God for a movement. So God intended for us to do this, but not on our own. So we're compelled to walk together, and we should. After all, it's part of our identity. We're a family. We're brothers and sisters. We are common sons and daughters of our Heavenly Father, the Most High God, and our Father's love for us is the means and measure of our love for one another. No one walks alone. We depend upon one another, and we defend one another. We help one another. We speak the truth in love to one another. Each one of us has a brother, a sister, that we can call for a lifeline. And we're a brotherhood of godly men because we are like our Father. We're healthy people because our Father, our Father's way gives life. And we're trustworthy people because faithfulness runs in our family. We are not competitors. We are not critics. We are not cynics or scoffers. We do not talk about one another. We talk to one another. We are not overly sensitive, and we are not given to bravado or to competition. Rather we are sober and supportive. My success is your success, and your success is mine. And after all, this is the family business. I mean, unlike competitors in the business world, we gladly embrace collaboration, shared successes. We support one another. We defer to one another. We are brothers and sisters. And because we have been given so much, together, sent, together in one family, going, we've been given so much, we are stewards. You think of what we steward. Look around you. The relationships in this room. And the God of heaven has given us his gospel that changes lives, redirects people. We have untold opportunity all around us. This most diverse city in America, we get to lead out in this city. We we get to demonstrate what the kingdom of God looks like among a very diverse people, and God has entrusted to us so much, that's why we have this opportunity. An opportunity to truly collaborate for the kingdom of God. I don't think when I say to you that I I believe that we could see a movement in our lifetime, I don't think That's an exaggeration in any way, and I'm going to tell you why. Movements are not something we create. I I know that. I mean, only God can make a movement. But what we know about movements are that movements are about a cause greater than ourselves, and they always include this confluence. In our case, we'd say it's a confluence of the Spirit, where there are leaders, and there's opportunity, and there's this common stirring of the heart, and there's, there's the right people in place. As I said, I, I think Chad's leadership among us, I think these 24 networks and the leadership of those networks, I think that denominational leaders who are leading in cooperative efforts where once that didn't much happen, it's a pregnant moment, a confluence of the Spirit. And we can make a commitment to do what's necessary to see the key element played out, and that is real collaboration, co-laboring in this work that God has called us to. Those realities make collaboration possible. We started ACPN because we believed that collaboration, real collaboration, is not just possible. It brings glory to God. It is the answer to Jesus' prayer about let the whole world see how how much we're one. And we're coming together over the most important things. And so when we started HCPN, there were just a group of beliefs that we gathered around. You know, it's one of the most powerful things you can say as a father, as a leader. When you look at the people and you say, we believe. We believe this. It's a powerful thing. So I'm going to share with you four beliefs. And I'm going to say them as something we believe. You'll have to decide if you're part of that we. We believe that church planting is vital for personal evangelism, for church revitalization, and for city transformation. New churches reach new people, lost people. New churches establish relational presence in places where other established churches haven't done so. One of my closest friends, his parents are a long-term member of one of the eight CPN churches, and uh, so I was in a setting where I'm talking to his 80-plus-year-old father, and his father tells me, he said, you know, I've been a part of our church for so many years. I remember days when we are really a missional church. and." For decades now, we've been focused just on ourselves and our our own problems. And now, he said, our church is planting churches. He said, there's a buzz in our church about how we can impact our city. And what he was just giving me was a testimony of how when you plant churches, it's a revitalization because it's a call back to mission to live for something beyond ourselves. We believe, number two, local churches plant churches. The locus of multiplication is in the local church. HCPN is not the hope of multiplication. We're simply a nonprofit that helps the church do the work of the church. We're churches that have come together and said, we, we need some help collaborating in ways that you bring your best, and I'll bring my best, and together we'll be better than we were alone. But still, the responsibility, the influence, the, the investment, it's at the level of the local church. And so, in this movement, our desire is to see every church revitalized To be focused on multiplication, the raising up of church planters, I'll give you a little dream. The little dream is that we do more than just try to keep teenagers out of the back seat with one another. We begin to cast a vision for them about how their lives can make a difference in the kingdom and they plant churches. So that even at 15 years of age they can begin to dream and plan and develop a kind of character where they can be a part of one of the most important things in the world, if God should call them to it, to be planting local churches where people don't know Jesus. We believe that this is a local church thing. Three, we believe healthy church planters are exponentially more likely to establish healthy new churches. Healthy church planters. We are not into just planting churches. Frankly, we've caused a mess in our culture a lot when we just focus on planting churches. We need healthy church planters to plant churches. I look around the room and I see some people that I've known for 30 years. And 30 years ago, we were talking about planting churches. And we made a a huge discovery. I was with a group of people, we were assessing church planters, we were releasing church planters, and the big discovery was this. A lot of people would focus on an area in the city, say, oh, we need a church in that area, and maybe they would even try to get somebody to kind of do all the planning and stuff and get a church going there. Maybe one day we'll find a pastor for that church or whatever. Do you know what the success rate for that kind of model was? 50%. Five-year viability with that kind of model, 50%. And when we shifted and began to focus on the health of church planters, the readiness of church planters, that number changed overnight to 95% viability in five years. The network that I'm a part of, Acts 29 network, we, we found the same thing. If a person is assessed properly, equipped properly, they build their core team as they should and they finally become a part of the whole family of the network. Viability is at 97.77%. Very different when you focus on the health of church planters. And so, that's why when you hear the mission of HCPN, it's about church planters. We are stre- a network of networks committed to strengthening church planters, to multiply churches, to reach every man, woman, and child in greater Houston. Our strategy is to raise up, equip, support, send out, care for, walk with, church planters. Because that's who plants healthy churches. Our whole structure here, if you're new around here, usually in this setting, uh, we have some inspiring speaker who is going to build up church planters in the room. We would give time for church planters to look at each other across the table and say that thing that every church planter needs to hear very regularly, you're not crazy. For every church planter who feels really alone, to have someone call their name to God in prayer and someone who understands the challenges of planting a church, so vitally important. That's what this is about. So that then when we pray for our city, it melds our hearts together for the sake of our city. But it also causes our arms to go around each other so that we can share this mission for the sake of the city. We develop collaborative residencies because even in some of what I would call our high resource churches, we feel like we need help with one another in order to best equip church planters to plant churches. And so we aspire to see this proliferation of collaborative residency programs throughout the city. Foundational residencies, which are just simply about what are some general models for planting churches. We don't have those. Functional residencies. What's our model? What's the model of this church that you're serving with? And then finishing residencies where we're trying to help a church planter answer the question, what's my model going to be? How am I going to lead the church that I am planting to be a, a mission, a missional people to this specific community where I'm planting this church. And you got to know, our vision is not just to do what we've done. To have one English-speaking finishing residency when we have so many different language groups and people groups in our community. Our city needs. Leaders who will train the communities that our English-speaking model is not going to reach. Number four, this is where it all comes together. We believe collaboration is the best opportunity to see a multiplying movement of church-planting churches. Collaboration glorifies God it is a modern-day apologetic surely if there's any community on the face of the earth that would come together with such generosity such sharing such love such graciousness such collaboration it would be the people of god it increases our capacity more than 25 years ago i sat in a breakout Some of you have heard me tell this, but it's so profound for me. Um, I was in a breakout session at a conference here in our city, and Paul and Steve Johnson, maybe you know those guys, um, they they shared their vision for a church planting movement. At that time, it was a brother who planted a church, and his brother planted a church, and they agreed together that with God's help, they were going to raise up a church planter, and those two churches were going to work together to support that church planter and then all three of them were going to raise up church planters and you know where this is going just a multiplying movement where they're going to invest in raising up and sending out church planters and i remember voicing a prayer in that little breakout dear god let me be part of something like that in my lifetime Let me be part of something like that in my lifetime. I was the pastor of this church. And I'll talk more about that in a little bit, but um, I would describe it at that time as an aging, inward, conflicted congregation. But God heard that prayer. I mean, where I was in the moment, maybe I couldn't even see how we could ever get to something like that from where I was in the moment when I said, God, let me be a part of something like that in my lifetime. And and maybe you feel like that too. But listen, God hears those prayers where we dream beyond ourselves and we think about what he might, would do, oh, he's able to do, but maybe he would choose to do even in our lifetime. I gathered with pastors from across the city, and um, I was a young pastor trying to find any help I could, and uh, I remember looking into the eyes of so many pastors who were so weary. And oftentimes, I don't know if they were just burned out or disinterested or I bothered them or what, but there wasn't this sense of mutuality and generosity. Um, and I think through the prayer movement that I mentioned, we saw some of that breakdown, some of that, those barriers. But I wonder, more than that, I believe that this is a totally different day. pastors, they treat each other differently. They they consider our responsibility to God and the city together differently. And all of that to me is just evidence that maybe it is God will do something in our lifetime. Um, Let me tell you one of the evidences I see of a multiplying movement. I see collaborative laboratories emerging among us. How many of you are part of the Sojourn Collective? Just in the room. How many Sojourn Collective churches we have? So a church is planted and then another church and another church. How many, part of this? How many are part of the Sojourn Collective now? Five churches, part of this collective of being the church but planting churches together. I see Church Project, another way that they're multiplying churches, the Seven Mile Road, how they multiply churches, HCPN residents, networks, like we're a part of a network. Many of you lead or you're part of denominations, and I know it's like, yeah, we've been doing that a long time. But isn't it a little different now? I mean, is isn't a little different in that we collaborated only with a few, but now we're saying, if we can gather around the gospel we don't have to be anxious about every little detail that we don't agree about when we can stack hands on the gospel one of the evidences i see is just a spark and the fire of older established churches who are rising up to share experiences and resources there seems to be a a new flame in the hearts of men and women to carry a gospel responsibility into their geography twenty five years ago, when I pastored this church, the community was declining, and it was on the community's on the verge of rebound, but frankly the the church was not in a good place and uh, I was here for six years, so I, I get to own some of that right and uh, and yet. Through the years, I realized that the whole time I'm thinking nothing's ever going to happen at that church, that God was raising up little guys that were probably playing in the backyard and having mama kiss their boo-boos when they fell down. God was raising up those guys to lead this church. And today they are the sons of thunder, I mean, um, James and John, uh, John and James, they uh, Have done an incredible job here. This church is on mission. New, fresh things are happening in this congregation. There is—they're going to change the name of this church next September to New Day Church. And uh, if you've ever been in a Baptist church, that is some doing. There is a God, you know. Um, Would you join me in envisioning, seeing with eyes of faith, rich resource churches, awakening to life beyond themselves. The Holy Spirit waking up church leaders in the middle of the night, just thinking, I want to do more than this with my life. I want to be a part of what the Spirit is doing. All across the city. We've got so much opportunity, so many leaders, so many people, so much money to invest in what God is doing in the kingdom. So that we, we really begin to behave differently. We're going to have to draw lines differently. Differently than, that's an urban church, and mine's a suburban church, and so we have this line of urban and suburban instead of saying, no, that's a greater Houston church. And so, that, that's a wealthy church. No, that's a black church. And so, what about, what about having the kind of collaboration where churches like mine have relationships with churches in the urban core of our city who are different ethnicity, and so guess what? We get to model what the kingdom looks like when we're relating to someone who doesn't look just like us, but we all bring our best to the table together to strengthen each other, to build each other up, to assume the best of one another. I see this room changing in color. I mean, I I love the fact that uh, there are a lot of folks in this room. This room must reflect our city. The leaders that stand up in front of this room should reflect our city. This is where we have to go. And the only way that happens is if we begin to have such a desire for that, that we reach into communities that don't look just like us, and we begin to build each other up and lift each other up and give opportunities to one another until we just say, look what God has done in making us look like His kingdom. Clear Creek, the church that I pastor, has planted 45 churches across the city. That's that's not right. We have have helped plant 45 churches across the city, uh, 300 churches around the world. And uh, I say that to you, and in the next breath I'd say, and that's addition. And that's not going to work. We're never going to get there that way. We have to move from addition to multiplication. We have to move to that place where, well, it's it's like what I say to every one of our residents who come through our finishing residency, they can attest to this, I intentionally do it. I, I say this and I say, listen, you are not selected because we think you can plant a church. You are selected because we're crying out to God for a movement of church planting churches a multiplying movement. And so, may you plant a church, but may you plant a church that's raising up church planters and participating in, church, in planting churches to the ends of the earth and starting right here in greater Houston. So, here's the deal Will you help? Will you carry the burden? Will you cast the vision? Will you pray earnest prayers? Will you equip qualified people? We need people who believe in our lifetime that God will release an infestation of churches across the city that will love their way into every dark corner of human brokenness with the good news and good deeds of Jesus. And we need people who will commit to this whole multiplying movement by investing some of your life. The elders of our church allowed me to invest 20% of my time. In church planting, you've re- you've seen board members who are part of this, um, others who are leaders by training those who are you know preparing to be residents or are our residents preparing to plant a church. Um, it is investment that is going to translate into real collaboration. We can't do this alone. We can do more together. Since we started. HCPN, we have uh, tried to grow, do more. We started a functional residency. We added coaching and counseling. And as you heard earlier, uh, next month we add a Spanish-speaking residency. We can do more. So I'm asking you to embrace a wholehearted kind of collaboration. Let me give you an idea of what I think that could include. Here are some ways that you can use your influence that would help really our whole city focus on collaboration to establish a multiplying movement of church planting churches. You can preach it. When's the last time you preached on your church planting a church or your church Planting a church as a part of a multiplying movement of church planting churches. You can preach it. Your church can contribute financially to HCPN so that we can provide diverse residencies in the future. We're funded totally by local churches and honestly, it's probably not about the money. Now, if you have a lot of money, okay, it's about the money. But, just kidding. No, it's, it's, for your church, it may not be, be, be about the money. It may not be about the amount of money you give. You know what it's going to do? It's going to create a conversation in your church about where you invest money. About what's important to you. Because you start spending money about, in your church and people are going to start asking questions. Your church can embrace collaboration for a multiplying movement of church-planting churches as a, as a part of your corporate vision. Here's what we want to do as a church. you got a thousand things going on. You can say, "And we're going to work with churches all across our city to plant churches. Your church can raise up church planters. You can have that I see in you conversation with that leader that you think God may be calling him. You just look him in the eye and you say, Maybe the Lord would have you plant a church. Your church can resource church planters with financial support, prayer support, or by offering available space. So I'm not saying give some money to ACPN, I'm saying find a church planter support him give him money pray for him send some people his way your church can send people with a church planter and then some of you can invest in church leaders in the future i started with a simple statement i said we envision a multiplying movement of church planting churches in the greater houston area for the glory of god and for the good of the city Do you believe that could happen? Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20 says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Far more abundantly than we ask or think. Will you ask? Imagine this and believe it. Let's believe it together. We collaborating for a multiplying movement. That's my prayer.